Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back for episode 110 of Freight 360. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 110. Episode 110. Hey, Ben, um, you know, I actually, I checked out our, our podcast stats this week. You know, we're, we're getting close to 100,000 downloads. Yeah. Really? Wow, I haven't we're checked we're like in the 80s bit, right now. But like, remember 50 was a milestone and it took, it was legitimately like uh, almost 18 months to get to that point. And, it, you know, we've been around and we're just over two years old now. And um, it's just growing. I love it. So um, for those of you that were with us earlier this week, Ben and I, we got to do a, a webinar with DAT on five ways to to gain more shippers and that was a blast unfortunately there was some sort of a tech issue and the record the recording uh disappeared so if you weren't on there live your only option at this point is to get a copy of the slide deck um but don't fret because all that content is pretty much just the the principles that we teach on a regular basis um so just keep listening to us and all's gonna be good so ben how you doing today anyway man I'm doing well. Um, How are you liking our new recording uh, platform here? I'm really digging this. It's nice to actually be using a platform built for this. I know we've been using Zoom, which worked, and I think a lot of people were, but I, I like it. I think even the little things like the sound effects, I think adds a lot of dimension. Plus, I like the time, all of it. It's just nice to have the right tools for the right it job. Is. You're absolutely right. So um, obviously you guys can all instead of just going to iTunes or whatever, you can also go to YouTube and it launches the same time. There's a video aspect to it. Um, cool little logo and stuff there. We're using a platform called Riverside, which I think is really neat. Um, and what's nice is it does give us the option to do a live show on Facebook. So that's something that I would hope in 2022, we can get into some, some live stuff and actually have people be able to interact with us live in the show, whether it's chat or call and stuff like that. Um, one thing at a time, though, but I'm excited. Today's episode is going to be about um, it's this is going to be a, a, a bit of a tip for all you on how to prioritize properly. And we're going to talk about growing as a freight broker. And um, there's a lot of stuff right now that's happening in the market. And if you're on the right side of it, you have a lot of demand from your customers. And if you don't have your priorities straight, it can really hurt you. So we want to talk about that for a bit. Um, but uh, make sure you're sharing us with all your friends. Always, we, we had, I can't tell you how many people reached out to us after that webinar yesterday that um, probably didn't even know who we were and now they love it, right? We had over 200 people that wanted us to contact them after the webinar. Um, so we're doing good things and we appreciate everyone's questions and feedback and your listenership because without all of you, we'd have no reason to do this. This doesn't exist. So, <laughs> um, hey, sports. Did you watch your Steelers game by any chance? I got some of it, and I got to see them at least pull off the win. I didn't get to watch all of it. I got yeah. some of it. but got You to guys, watch um, you're hosting Seattle this weekend. Actually, you guys have the primetime Sunday night game this week. Um, but last Sunday on sports, 
The Red Sox pulled off a nice win and eventually ended up clinching the uh, American League Divisional Series, and they're going to be playing um, the Houston Astros starting um, this weekend. So that's exciting. Um, the Bills, 38-20 to over the two-time AFC champs, Pat Mahomes and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry, Trey Griggs. I know you're a big Chiefs fan. I got I got a couple of agents that are uh, big Chiefs fans, and it's good banter back and forth on Mondays. But Bills in Tennessee Monday night. I will be there down at Pierce Worldwide Logistics going with the boss and some of the folks there. Super excited. My first away Bills game, and it's in Nissan Stadium in Tennessee. And what a, what a Buffalo That's Bills fantastic. team to go see on the road. Wow. Anything else going on? I mean, hey, you know what else, NHL? I did watch on ESPN. There's a new team this year called the Seattle Kraken, and they almost won their first game, but they didn't. They lost uh, by one by one goal. I think it was 4-3. The Sabres are terrible, as always. They don't look good. But uh, anything else in the world of sports? Oh, John Gruden got – well, he quit. Oh, fired well, let he, go, he, maybe. He quit on his but... own accord. I think that was – a. I think he didn't really have a choice, yeah. but uh, yeah, man, a lot of emails surfaced, and uh, NFL wants nothing to do with a guy like him. So crazy, and they, they, the Raiders favorable. have been a, a good team this year. So I'm curious to see how having a new interim coach is going to affect them. I think they're three and two right now, but they had a really strong start. They were three and one, right? Just like a lot of other teams. So um, mm-hmm. should be interesting. So. Cool, man. Um, well, hey, let's uh, let's talk about our speaking of the, the webinar. Let's talk about our friends over at DAT. Yeah, taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. And check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Power, Trucker's Edge, or Express. Absolutely. Check them out. Link in the show notes. Now, we're going to get into our topic. Prioritization. I think I hit that button twice. All right, prioritizing stuff as a freight broker. Um, I want to start this off by... Just kind of giving my opinion on um, priorities, right? You know, we've talked about when people want to grow, sometimes they think, I'm just going to hire salespeople and they're going to make it grow. And then they forget about the administrative tasks and the invoicing backlogs and the operational support, all the stuff that goes into it that you need to have in place before you can just add new business and add sales reps. Um, one of the things I love about the company that I work for is the goal is to always have our team in the corporate office, the back office, where on average they should only have a, like a half or so full workload. So that way when there's uh, you know an influx in business or whatever, we're able to handle it, right? We're not going to have, we're not going to, our customers and our agents aren't going to see delays or backlogs because we can't do our job. Um, so for that reason, I think as you grow, you need to always have that in mind. Ben, what do you think? I was I just find it kind of comical because at the brokerage I had started my career at is literally the polar opposite of that, right? So what you needed to do to be able to scale was you had to operate at the next level of volume 
for 12 week average before they would staff you up to it. That's so basically, to me. you know what though? A lot of the W2 uh, big spot, big box brokerages do that though. And here's why. And there is a valid reason, right? And I'm not going to say it's just like willy nilly or random, right? It's because most of the, most of those businesses do spot predominantly they're spot freight businesses, sure. right? So usually you don't have a lot of dedicated freight and it's not like a consistent growth. So it's a lot of blow up a customer, they've got a project, they've got a problem. And then like, once that problem's gone, they look for cheaper carriers and then the business shrinks. So it's a lot of exploding and then coming back. So from their point of view, it becomes difficult when you staff up based on like maybe demand because the amount of times that would come through was just not enough to staff ahead of time. Okay. So basically what it looked like was if you were doing, and I always just use weekly numbers because that's what I'm used to, but like you needed to be doing about 4K a week in gross profit for a 12 week average before you would get your first assistant. And then to get your second assistant, it's you, it was, it depends on where they're at in any given year, but it's either six or eight grand. So it's either a 50% or a hundred percent increase in weekly gross profit, right? And you've got to be able to hit that revenue for a 12 week average to get your next support person. Yeah. So when you realize like how you've got to prioritize and especially as a, you know, cradle to the grave broker, your team, if you're doing, you know, whatever, 20 loads a week and you want to go to the next stage, you've got to be able to manage the capacity of almost 30 or 35 loads a week for almost, you know, two and a half to three months before you get that next assistant. So here's what I want to, and here's, here's the kind of the catch 22, right? And I, I see this with a lot of my agents. They get to a point where they want to grow because they are so busy and they got to hire somebody. And the, the issue that they're going to run into is, well, when you hire somebody, that's going to take time out of your day, not just to find them and hire them, but then to train them, mentor them, answer their questions, help, help them grow, right? You want them to be part of your organization for a long time. And you will, as a result, if you're already at max capacity, you will see a, uh, you're going to have to slow down your business a little bit if you have, if you're already busting at the seams. So what's nice about it, if you're an agent and you have a good, you know, a good commission percentage, you have the flexibility where you know you're making enough money, you can invest in hiring somebody before you're already maxed out, right? And I've got a guy right now that he, he it took him three people to interview and hire before he actually found the right one. And what he realized mm -hmm. is having, for him, he preferred to have somebody in person because that's just the meth the methodology he had because he had a tough time trying to figure out how to do, you know, how can I train somebody up on freight brokerage and, and logistics remotely, right? Um, so the first two he had were, one was remote, one was kind of in person, but had the option to be remote. And now this third one that's actually working out in person, looking over his shoulder all day long. He said, watch me work for a couple days. If you think it's cool and you, you, wanna, you wanna get into it, we'll get you set up and we'll train you, which is awesome. Now, the flip side of that is like, obviously Lean is one of our sponsors and one of our partners. Um, they have figured out how to avoid that issue because they have all their people that go through, uh, you know, a regimented training program, right? These are experienced folks. All they have to learn is your TMS, your expectations, your procedures, et cetera, right? So it's, it kind of bridges that gap. Um, <clears throat> the other risk, by the way, too, is, and you, not it's a risk, but it's also work, right? And it's, 
the hiring, right? Like that's a job, interviewing, finding, putting out job postings, like all of those things take time. And if you're literally busting at the seams, like drowning, not able to see, you know, get your head above water, like not only do you need to do that, but you also point out you then need to train them to even have any idea what you're talking about, to even understand verbiage, anything. And then you've got to train them on how you do business. Like there's a big time investment And honestly, like, there's also a big risk on that person not working out. And for all those reasons, right, like, and that's also why most of these big brokerages throw so many people at this problem. They know they're not going to work out and they know you can't really determine this until you give somebody a shot at it. Yeah. And that's where that's their biggest expense. You know, what's funny is uh, talking about how like these people don't understand what you're talking about. I've known my wife for uh, five years, over five years now. We got married uh, a few years ago. And I've been in the freight world for 10 years. So like my entire time that I've known my wife, I've, I've been in freight brokerage. And <laughs> I was literally, I was showing her something last night. She's like, I have, I still have no idea like what any of this means. Like she just doesn't, she doesn't grasp it. But I've also never like tried to yeah. teach it to her. She just hears mm-hmm. it, you know, in, in conversation and whatnot. But you're absolutely right, man. That's a, that's a huge it's a huge barrier for a lot of people. And I think you, you make a good point when some of these companies like your Integrity Expresses, your TQLs, Coyotes, XPOs, right? They hire these big classes. They onboard, they could, it could be mm-hmm. dozens, right? Maybe 40 or 50 hundreds. new. Oh, no, hundreds, yeah. hundreds. But like in one branch, they might have a, a new hire class of dozens of, or, you know, or, yeah. or more of people. And they know the attrition rate is going to be high. But the ones that pick up on it are the ones that are going to last long term. And when they're only paying them, you know, maybe 20, 25% commission, it's going to be a great investment for them long-term. And of course they've got the non-compete, so they can't go, you know, they have their arms tied for the most part and they're not going to go leave easily. So, um, but I, I do think at the end of the day here, we, we were, t- we're talking about prioritizing, right? And your priorities, um, it's not just in hiring and when, when to grow properly. Um, you should be prioritizing a lot of different things. So when I worked for Conway Freight, which is now XPO, um, we had a a phrase that our drivers would, um, you know, we had for our drivers, it was aim high in your steering. And what that meant was don't be so tunnel vision and only looking what's right ahead of you. Aim high, look look further down the road for safety purposes, see what's coming up, right? This is gonna help avoid accidents or any kind of issues. And the same thing goes mentally when you're running a business or you're working in, in you know the professional world is to look long-term, think long-term. Those are the people that succeed. Look at Jeff Bezos and what he did with Amazon. He wasn't thinking about what's going to happen this year or next year. He's like, I want, I want to be this person 10, 20 years from now. Elon Musk, the same way. All the great entrepreneurs all have used that mentality of, I'm not worried about what's going on right now, what feels good right now. I'm thinking long-term. And that is a- And that's a habit, by the way. Bad. It is. It's a habit. It's a mindset. It takes practice. You're not born with it. You have to develop it. You have to nurture that. You have to feed it just like anything else if you want that to be a predominant trait in your behavior. Because our emotions that have evolved over millions of years, right, are instinctual. They're reactionary. They are not going to help you plan. They're not going to help you look down the road to your point and see where you want to be in a year. Your emotions are going to do what you think feels good all day. It's going to go, hey, this feels uncomfortable. Avoid it. Don't pick up the phone and then you'll do something else. And that's what that looks like. So it's determining where you want to go and why. But I wanted to cover a lot more too about like priorities, right? Like most brokerages out there have more business than they can get to. Or in a lot of cases right now, 
don't know what to do next. Like, what do you do, right? Like you said, if you wanna grow, how do you determine what is your next step? What is the biggest thing you need to do next? And the way I've always seen this business is your salespeople run out there and do what they can to garner and get that growth, right? Once you have it, now you've got to staff up to support it to get them more time to go out and run to go get more business. So it is in no way this straight line like this. It goes up and then it plateaus. You staff up, You like to your point, you're no longer on the phone maybe calling to prospect as much as you were. You're spending maybe 10% of your day training the next person, getting them up to speed, yep. introducing them to your customers, introducing them to your carrier base, teaching them these things. And as they become more proficient, you start increasing your prospecting to be able to run again until you get to the next plateau. Once you've run out of bandwidth, you hire again and then grow to the next one. And to your point right there, as I think some people are afraid to introduce a new rep to their customer because they're like, well, my customer knows and they like me and they trust me. I think you'll be surprised. Yeah. If a customer knows they have a force of people there to support them and you've already laid the groundwork for how good of a job you're doing, I think they're gonna like that. Absolutely. I've, I've never ever had an issue with introducing somebody that I trust and it does a good job to introduce them to somebody that's, uh, you know, my, typically my number one responsibility to, to, to work with them. If I have the right person and I can introduce them and say, hey, you've got two of us now or three of us mm -hmm. now. And hey, if, if we're not available, here's the other backups, right? This is our operation. This is how we work. That's a good thing. And absolutely. I mean, every time I've done that, um, that's exactly the response I got. Hey, I brought this person on as a team. Business is increasing. We want to be able to provide you better service. I'm literally taking the profits and reinvesting them in your benefit, right? Like that's what you're telling your customer. Like that's not gonna come across as a negative. As long as right. they know you aren't going to be MIA. That's the part you need to reassure and make sure that like, yep. hey, even though you may be interacting with this other person, know that I'm here all the time on top of that, making sure that everything's okay so that I can get you more resources. I'm gonna go get you more carriers. I'm gonna go do what I do best they're gonna make sure your tenders that are coming over are correct. They're gonna make sure we get them to our carriers and they're gonna answer questions when I'm on the phone, getting you more of what you need more of right now. Trucks, right? That's absolutely correct. So I wanna, I wanna uh, go back to your, uh, your, your upward trajectory and your, your plateau, uh, the, vi the visual you gave there and just kind of talk through that because um, that is not, that doesn't apply only to the growth of a brokerage. This could be an individual sales rep, right? Yep. And their book of business, their customers. Um, if you're not thinking far ahead and if you don't set goals and figure out what you're gonna have to do to get there and then implement those items to assist you to get there, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're you're setting yourself up to fail. So, and it's a, you know, goal setting is a totally different episode we could have and topic to discuss. Um, but it's just that mentality, thinking long-term, thinking big picture, and where am I gonna be six, 12, 18, 24 months from now? So. Here's the biggest mind mindset shift for me was, it's, it's like the economies of scale analogy, right? Like. I want to apply my effort in brokerage to the things that are like repeatable. There's nothing that bothers me more than doing things and trading my time for money because I know that doesn't get me a increased return, right? Like for instance, if you spend an hour and you get paid for that hour, you are only ever going to make as many hours as you have in a day. 
But if you can bring somebody on below you, you can make as many hours as they have and so forth, right? And that's the premise and that mind sh- mindset shift, I think, to the future that always helped me get there. Because I think everybody wants what they want now. But when you compare what you want now, which is trading your time for money, to what you could have in the future, which is trading other people's time for your money, yep. it's a really easy decision to make. And that, so that, that right there, I've seen that applicable so many times, definitely in the agent model when it's just, you know, one guy or gal that's, that's brokering and they hit, you know, they do 2 million bucks a year in sales. And they're like, I can't, I can't do more than like seven, eight loads a day. But if you've got two or three reps underneath you, think about how much more time you have. It's, it's a multi, multiplier effect. And the same goes if you're just a, if you started a brokerage and you got licensed yourself, that's even more so because now you're you're also dealing with billing and invoicing, collections, carrier pay, claims, you name it, all of that stuff. And you're running a business. You got to worry about like your taxes and, you know, paying your electric bill and your, for your load boards and all this stuff. Right. So if you don't have that mindset of, of, of that growth using the economies of scale, like you said there, um, you know, you you are limiting yourself and you will hit a there is a ceiling that you will hit. Yeah. And you'll know when you hit it, when you know, you're know you stressed out way more than the average freight broker is and you, you don't get enough sleep at night. So I wanna walk you through like a real life example of a client that we're working with right now that's running into this, right? They do drayage, they do intermodal, everybody sees it on the news. It's a shit show and all the terminals and all the ports, everybody's trying to get more product in and there's only a finite amount of resources to move it in, right? So the client, where they're at, is exactly what you described. They're at a place where they're moving about 38 to 50 loads a week by themselves, right? And in drayage, there's a lot of re-invoicing for accessorials. So there's an extra pre-pool, there's detention, um, maybe there's a layover, a crosstown, all these little charges that add up. So as you move forward, you leave a trail behind you, to your point, of accounting work that needs corrected. Not just invoiced, corrected, right? So... Where the client's frustration, it was exactly what you were saying, right? Like losing more sleep than the average broker, right? Is it this place where they're literally having to choose? There's only so many waking hours in a day and they're working about 12 a day right now. But those 12 hours are spent making sure all of their carriers have business to run every day. The second priority is making sure that as they're running it, they're resolving the problems they run into at the ports, the terminals, and the warehouses. So, When you're doing that all day long and making sure the people that you've spent so much effort into hiring and recruiting are being fed, it's hard to prioritize the accounting. But guess what? You're not able to keep up with that. These guys stop getting paid. Now all of a sudden, you've got to decide, do I go get the work to feed these guys or do I spend all night trying to invoice them and making sure they're getting paid? And that's where the topic of like, okay, like this is really the life of a freight broker. Like how do you prioritize Two things that seem as important as each other, and to be honest, like don't really take a priority. Getting them paid for work they've already done, cleaning up your invoices, but making sure that you're constantly on top of the things operationally. And I think these are the real life problems brokers run into and they go like, I genuinely don't know how to get to the next stop. Like, what do I do here? Like, do I just? Imagine imagine the, um, the weight lifted off of their shoulder if there's one or two ops folks trained up and you know now they can go out there and grow that business and yes. just truly have more time more reach literally two extra sets of ears two extra sets of eyes hands for the keyboard miles to talk on the phone etc and that and and i think 
this isn't meant to be just a plug for our sponsor, right? This is a genuine real life example, right? So this brokerage is based in the Midwest, not a huge population in the city they're in. Um, they have a new office, so they have the space. They would prefer to put people in the office just because that's their style. But again, the need is so much greater and the urgency and the season we're in and shipping with the holidays that there isn't the ability to go find someone on the street and hire them. And even honestly, if you had somebody walk in their door today and said, I wanted to work, they probably couldn't start for four or five days. It'll take them two to three weeks to get up to speed on anything. You're at Thanksgiving before they're worth anything. And honestly, that was why I was on the phone with Trey before our recording. I was like, Trey, like I got a client and I'm like, this guy needs somebody pretty quickly. I mean, they're three to five weeks, but they're trained at three to five weeks. They've gone through their training. They know the verbiage. They know what a tender is. They know how to work at TMS. They need to know your nuances, but that's this quick solution to like, okay, how do I get my head above water so I can breathe, get everybody paid, get to some semblance of normalcy, get this other person now up to speed, and then I can go back because the customer's literally banging on this this freight broker's door every day going, I got more business. Can you take more? Can you take more? And it is really hard for a sales guy that works so hard to get this demand to turn it down. Yeah. And that's the trade-off, right? So, so I know you said you don't want to plug our sponsor, but um, while while we're on the topic, let, let me give a little rundown. Because, hey, this maybe it's somebody's first time listening to our show and they're hearing this. Uh, so Lean Solutions Group, that's one of our sponsors. Trey Griggs, he's, uh runs the sales division over there. Great guy. We've had him on numerous episodes. Super smart guy when it comes to the, the freight brokerage world um, in a nutshell. And hey, here's the deal. We have we've used lean on their tech side for a website, the marketing side to run social media. Um, but the staffing and the the sales side is great. And this is what we're talking about is they they've got trained professionals. So whether it's sales reps to manage accounts or staffing, whether it's your back office for accounting or an operations person or whatever, you, you know, whatever you need them for. That's what they're really, really good at. So there is a link in the show notes. It's it's leangroup.com. We don't get a spiff or paid if somebody signs up. We just truly believe in them. And it's a great partnership that we have with Trey and with the organization over there at, at Lean Solutions Group. But um, Trey actually was was uh, telling us, he emailed us earlier, he was down in Columbia because they got uh, three offices down there where their their team operates from. And he said it's, it's, it's awesome to see how as they're growing as a company and helping all these freight brokerage companies out to get to see the boots on the ground that are helping these companies grow. So check them out. We definitely recommend it. We use them ourselves. You know, we, we practice what we preach. So this, um, and this reminds me, but yeah, back to this reminds me, there was this, and I, I can't remember who, I think it was Adam Grant that said this, or it, it probably didn't coin it, but he asked this question of himself when he gets to this stage in any of the businesses he's working in or consulting in, and it was, what is the one thing that you can do that you, by doing so, makes everything else you have to do easier? Look for that thing when you're at that stage that we're talking about, when you're bro- you know, busting at the seams or you're trying to figure out how you get to this next growth stage, ask yourself that question. What is the one thing that by doing so makes everything easier, right? And back to this client's example, right? That's why they're going to lean is so that they can get somebody operationally so that this broker can get them up to speed so that his bandwidth can increase and then the sales can increase. You can't just throw more sales without support and you can't just have support without the sales. There is this dance that happens over time where one leads a little bit and then the other one has to catch up. Then the next one leads and the other one's gonna catch up. I'm gonna give you an example. Um, So at, at Pierce, 
um, one of the things that we identified as one of those items was if we could simplify the carrier, the new carrier setup or new carrier onboarding process, it would save us a lot of time and it would likely free up a body in our office, right? So by looking at, and so one of the solutions we're gonna have long-term is using a using a company that, that automates that process where the actual brokers themselves can um, set up a, a carrier without having to yes. have somebody at the corporate office involved, right? Like there's there's the My Carrier Package, the RMI. I wanna pause for one second there. Can you hold that thought for a second? Because the side note from that is, I think that's the way you shop for tech products. You find the problem you want to solve, and then you find the solution for it, instead of just looking at tools that tell you they'll solve things and then hoping that saves you time. Look where your time's being spent, yeah. look what it gets you if you're able to resolve it, and to your point, whatever that solution is, you got a body back, right? Yeah, yeah, so now you have, now you have a body back, right? And, and a trained body, by the way. So one of the first things we did was we, we created like, before even implementing anything, we created a, a really, really simple um, web form for our brokers to use it to request a new carrier setup. So it didn't require a manual email being sent to a carrier team. So that already freed up uh, people right there. And now if you can even make that process even simpler, now, like you said, you've got an extra free body that can assist with you name it, right? As a company grows, that could be invoicing, that could be operational support, that could be a whole bunch of things, um, but that that stuff right there, there is a huge value add, and it, like I said, it's got that force multiplier effect in there. So I do have one caveat that I want to mention on this topic is, if you're a brand new freight broker and your biggest problem that you identified is you're not you don't have enough business or you're not good That's enough at sales, don't, don't just try to go hire a sales yeah. rep. You, you you have to master the skills yourself before you start to place those tasks in someone else's responsibility. Because you can delegate, you could delegate a task, but you're ultimately responsible for the, you know, the results that are driven from any of these decisions, right? So if you hire a sales rep and you don't do any prospecting yourself and they're not producing and they don't, they don't, you know, they're not bringing the right kind of customers on, but they're not, they're not bidding properly or finding capacity properly, you're just going to run your business and guide them. So that's, that's my one. Yeah, because it's always there. the blind leading the blind, right? Like if you're going to hire somebody, like I, I think it'd be very difficult to hire like an experienced freight broker, honestly, right now. Um, I don't know that there's many out there, if any. So it's like, who would you, I don't even know what you would do in that scenario. Like you're just going to hire a sales guy and be like, have at it, even though like. Yeah, it's tough, man. You know what I have seen? I have seen folks when they want to grow their sales side, um, some people, they'll hire someone from scratch, train them up and let them go. And um, they'll start to pass maybe some of their own yep. business off, but not the majority of it. And then with the intent to have that person prospect on their own. The other, the other thing, too, is they'll find someone that worked in brokerage on the operation side. Right. So they're good at capacity and working with carriers, dealing with carrier issues. Um, but they never dip their toes in the cold calling and cold outreach prospecting side of the brokerage world. And that way they're not dealing with any bad habits when it comes to brokerage. Because if you hire someone that as a broker or was a broker in the past, you might hire bad habits and that's always a, a risk as well. So absolutely. I think um, what else you got? On, what else do you have on priorities here, Ben? We, we got some some good Q&A here. I want to yeah. head on too. But uh, what the last you got? thing is, if you're if you're looking at like what you want to do and you're at the stage where you want more salespeople, I think the best way to do that is really what you were just kind of mentioning. And that's what I've done when I have brought on salespeople before is 
you train them, they sit with me so that they can learn brokerage because I think it's very hard to sell a product if you don't know how it's, where it comes from or what it is, right? And we're selling a product of service. So you need some idea of what the folks around you are doing, even if you're in a pod model. And then I think from there, the next logical step is you give them your least riskiest customers. You give them your customers to work with that like you're doing a couple loads here and there with. So if something goes wrong, it's not the end of the world. You get them more and more confident with that then maybe they work with some of your customers. But as they're working with some, it's a lot easier for somebody to sell the service of a freight brokerage once they've moved a few loads, they understand that, they've talked to a couple carriers, and most of all, hopefully, they've seen a few things go wrong and they've learned what to do when those things happen because that's the real moment of finding out whether or not you're really gonna be good at this. You're absolutely right, that's good. All right, so coming up next, we got some Q&A. All right, three questions here. I love this first one, right? First one, does working from home make you better or worse? Now, I want to preface this. I've done both. I know many people that have done both, and I think it depends on the person because I will tell you that I always have performed better when I'm in a remote setting because we know this job is not an eight to five job or a nine to five job, right? Things happen at night, on the weekends, and sometimes you have lulls in the middle of the day, okay? So for someone like me, let's say, um, you know, I had a doctor's appointment or dentist appointment and uh, I wanted to work from home that day so I could accommodate that. I found myself producing and performing way better on those days. I don't know if it's because I felt like I had to put more work in or I was more relaxed or whatever, but I have always done better remote and I work, I'm fully remote now and I absolutely love it and I've done nothing but uh, progress further than I did when I was in a um, an in-house setting. Um, but I have seen people that when they when they don't have that personal connection and that social engagement, they kind of like they lose productivity. So I think it depends on the person. What, what's your take? And on? I will tell you my personal experience was the latter. Um, and so when I've been in an office, I'm the kind of person that like. I am outgoing, I like to talk, I've always just been that kind of person. So I feed off that energy, the energy in a room, the energy off others. I think the camaraderie when you're cold calling, especially at the beginning of building a book of business, being able to see the people next to you and around you, basically going through the same things you are makes it a lot easier to tolerate. I'm talking specifically cold calling, right? When you're getting rejected all day, yeah. being in a room or being surrounded by at least a few people that are also doing that, it honestly feels like it's easier to swallow because you kind of look and you're like, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And you're like, I'm not gonna give up, but yeah. they're not gonna give up. So you all kind of feed on each other. And that was tangible to me. So I will say though, the other caveat is now I've done both. And through the pandemic, I was cold calling at the very beginning and I did it from home. And I had a very difficult time with it at first because of that. But once my book of business came back and everything kind of like fell into it after the pandemic shook out, once I was more operational, there was no way I wanted to go to an office. I'm like, there's, cause I do so much yeah. more. I have so much more ability to walk into my office at home whenever I need to. To your point, it's a 24 seven job. I'm in my office, you know, yep. or have been at any hour of the day. It's nice not having to drive there. So I'll say this, there are ways, and I agree, if you're a new broker, being around other people that are doing the same thing is is very, very important. Um, and you, you learn from it because you, you hear what they're saying, mm -hmm. you learn what you like, you learn what you don't like about their methods. Um, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons we've succeeded with the group coaching platform, right? Because these folks can all, they'll plug in a couple of times a month and 
get to learn from each other and hear each other's stories, their successes and their struggles. Um, I have just found other ways to stay socially connected with people, whether it's getting together with people outside of the work setting or, you know, the virtual getting together over Zoom or whatever the case might be. Um, so here's I mean, one more tip. I think everyone's and I, and I agree. And I would say if you are in a virtual setting, one thing that has come out of the pandemic that's worked very well is when I've prospected, I always have a friend to prospect with, even if it's in a different industry. Like I just know salespeople in other industries and I'm like, hey, let's just jump on a Zoom. If you got to make some calls, why don't we just sit together? Sometimes you're on mute, but literally just having that person kind of going through it with you seems to make it you're, you're less likely to get up and clean your refrigerator or to wipe your desk off or to do whatever random thing you feel like doing instead of picking up the phone. Let's put it that way. It's like an accountability partner. Yep. It's true. That's a good point. All right. Next question. Should I start a brokerage or a trucking company? And this came from um, one of our listeners. I think it was through LinkedIn. He asked this. Um, and I basically said it's, you know, this is a preference thing because they're in, this is the same kind of industry, right? It's, it's logistics and transportation, but they're two very, very different jobs. Because if you're going to run a trucking company, you're going to have to acquire assets. You're going to have to recruit drivers. Um, it might seem enticing right now because the rates are so high, but you have to also think what happens when the market shifts, okay? Um, brokerage side is way more problem solving, right? You're, you're an intermediary between a shipper and a motor carrier, and your job is to match them up, get the pricing at the right point and handle all the issues along the way. So it's 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 a preference thing. Obviously, they both have a, a good role in this in this supply chain um, world, but they're two very, very different things. I'll tell you, I have no interest in ever running a trucking company. No interest in it. I love the brokerage side way too much to ever go on the asset side. Uh, I, they are very, very different. Trucking companies are more on the predictable side. Freight brokerages are more on the flexible side. Those are their two inherent traits. Um, trucking companies, you're managing a lot of people and you're managing what they're doing, whether they're showing up to work, the assets, the maintenance of the assets, the insurance on them, the risk, and you're tied directly to it. It's not the same as a freight brokerage yeah. where you've got limited liability in a lot of cases for a lot of reasons. So very different risk yep. profiles. I would say like if I had to pick, I mean, I'm clearly in the brokerage side for a reason. I've never moved to the asset side for a reason because also you can grow a brokerage much faster than an asset company. Again, drivers trade their time for money. So in order to get more business through your company or more dollars, you have to hire more drivers. A broker can bring on yep. a person and do a lot more business than one any driver one can do. Yeah, and I'll say, it so there, you can scale the trucking side by leasing on drivers and things like that, and that way you don't have to own the assets. But you know that's a that's a whole other rabbit hole you go down where they and you got to keep them happy point. because when they're owner ops, they only yep. want to do certain things. They want decision making authority, and like when I've had to work with a lot of dispatchers and individual drivers, it's just a much different job, and it's just you need to know what they're doing all day. Not that you don't in freight brokerage, but it's just it's a very different job, and I think you should. Sp explore both options pretty deep before you jump head first into them. Yep. All right, last question. How can I help my customer that wants freight moved out of Mexico? I've had this question a lot of times. Um, so I'll give you two, I'll give you two solutions here. Um, you can hire a trucking company that's domiciled in Mexico to do their outbound freight into the United States. That's one option. The customer would prepare all the customs paperwork, um, you know, 
the the Mexican carrier obviously is it's it's a lot harder to get a U.S. carrier to drive into Mexico than a Canadian or a Mexican carrier to drive yep. into the U.S. Um, there's a lot of moving parts there, which is why I have any any times it comes to Mexico inbound or outbound, I have always recommended um, in, unless you really want to learn that international part of the business. You can rely on a forwarding company, establish a relationship with them. They know the customs process. They have the carrier relationships to cross the border. And the customs um, brokerages. It is. And the ability to do all those things. Like, it's a very, yeah. it's a niche. In fact, that was Kevin Hill's niche. Um, he's talked about it on our show. Yeah. Like, you need to learn the ins and outs if you want to do it. But a great way to get your feet wet, right, is to outsource it at first make very thin margins to service that customer, learn from the carrier or the forwarder that you're outsourcing it to, and then start doing a little bit of it and then eventually start taking it back. Yep, absolutely. So good questions, good questions. Um, keep them coming. We can't always get to everyone's questions. We try to answer as many as we can via email and then put some good ones on the show here. Uh, you could send them, there's a contact form right on the freight360.net website. Um, get a lot of LinkedIn messages. I'll tell you, I don't check my LinkedIn as, as frequently as I see questions come through our website. So if you have a question that you want answered or responded to fairly quickly, go to the website and use the contact form. It's on the bottom of, of each page. I think there's a contact button on the, on the top toolbar. So um, good, good episode, good topic today. Uh, let's see, I want your sports input. So Seahawks at Steelers, two, uh, two teams that are two and three What's right now. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm pretty sure Seattle's the, yep. Seattle's the more dominant team out of those two. But you never know. You guys are at home. What's so. the line? It's prime time. Uh, Seattle plus three, I'm guessing, if they're playing at the Steelers. Well, Seattle, I'm going to guess it's probably like minus six or something like that. You know what? Let me pull it up on ESPN. See what we got here. Uh, in the meantime, my Bills in Tennessee, I think I think you're going to see another double-digit win by the Bills. And I think the spread's only like five and a half for Buffalo in their favor. But I, I really, I believe you're going to see like a 10-point margin of Buffalo winning um, in Tennessee. So let's see the, uh, the schedule. We got Seattle. What did I guess? I'm going to say minus six is my guess, but let's see what ESPN has it at. Uh, any other good matchups this week? Hate to have a de- dead silence here. Here we go. I'm Seattle up right now. I love the prime time. 42 and a half, the over and under. Pittsburgh minus four and a half. Oh, Pittsburgh's uh, favor. What am I missing there? Wow. 42 and a half. So you guys are, yeah, you're favored. There's got to be an injury or something that I'm not aware of. I don't fall like Seattle. I don't follow a whole lot of NFC teams that much during the year, but Heinz Field should be a, uh, a good I one to watch on Sunday Pittsburgh night. In the points, I think they'll cover that. Was yeah, it four and a half? half. I think four Pittsburgh could cover that. Well, I guess we'll see, man. I guess we'll see. Oh, we got the first round of bye weeks here. Uh, Falcons are off. Saints are off. The uh, Jets are off, and the 49ers were off this week. So, good stuff. Uh, anyone else? We got Tampa Bay at Philly Thursday night. Tampa Bay should should win that one. Uh, Kansas City at Washington. They should Kansas City should be able to bounce back from a from a nasty loss. L.A. Ch- the Chargers at Baltimore. That'll be a good one to watch. Uh, one o'clock on Sunday. 
Uh, Arizona at Cleveland. That'll be a good one to watch. Four o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Uh, good stuff. Well, Ben, final thoughts. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.